Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Tech Disruptors by Bloomberg Intelligence. My name is Neeraj Patel. I'm a technology analyst on the Bloomberg Intelligence team, Bloomberg's in-house research group. We are delighted to have the chief data officer of Intuit, Ashok Srivastava, today. We look to learn from Ashok how Intuit has evolved from a desktop tax software provider to an AI data-driven platform reaching across consumer finance, tax, accounting, payments, payroll, marketing, and more. With that, let's turn to Ashok, and we would love to hear a little bit about yourself and your journey to Intuit and your current role as Chief Data Officer. Thank you, Neeraj. Uh, it's great to be here, and I'm so excited to be part of your podcast. I've been on the journey of artificial intelligence and machine learning for a very long time. In fact, when I was a kid, I remember in the summertime, my dad gave me a book called Artificial Intelligence, and he asked me to read that over the summer, and perhaps that influenced me a little bit. Um, I got my uh, degrees in electrical engineering, but towards the end of my PhD, actually during my PhD, I started to focus on machine learning, and I've been doing it ever since then. What drives me, what excites me about the field of AI is this idea that we can build computers, we can build machines that can actually help people do better in their lives. I've always been excited about this. I've been very fortunate to be able to apply this idea and the ideas and concepts and the algorithms from machine learning in a wide variety of areas, obviously in the finance, uh, which is where I am in today at Intuit, but I've worked at NASA applying these same principles and ideas to aviation, to uh, spacecraft, to understanding the Earth through Earth sciences, astrophysics, uh, cosmology, all kinds of things. And the unique thing about AI and what really keeps me engaged with this field is that the algorithms are beautiful from a mathematical perspective, but when you apply them to real data, what you can get out of them is just amazing and it has so much value. So I came to Intuit about five and a half years ago as their chief data officer. I'm in charge of the AI strategy, the data strategy, as well as the analytics strategy at the company. Uh, that's interesting to hear and great to hear your specialty and your interest in AI. And that feeds right into the topic of the day, uh, generative AI and your company's press release this morning, Intuit Supercharging, Intuit Gen OS with OpenAI's large language models. Can you speak to what that means for your developer team as well as your customers? Yeah, absolutely. Let me start with the customers because that's where everything begins with us at Intuit. So our mission is to power prosperity around the world for our customers. And it's no small undertaking. Uh, this is a company that's galvanized behind that mission. And as we work on that mission, we start to realize that there are a few things that are really key. One of them is having a very powerful capability that can deliver great experiences to customers. The way we think about that is that we are creating a so-called AI-driven expert platform. The platform is a, a capability that allows us to, at scale, serve our customers. And core part of that platform is what we call GenOS, the Intuit Generative AI Operating System. This is a capability that allows our developers, Intuit developers, by the thousands, to engage with artificial intelligence and particularly generative AI. And it allows them to build and prototype 
new capabilities that can serve our customers at great speed and efficiency. And that's the key idea here, that GenOS is a capability that lets people really build uh, new experiences as quickly as possible with the right safeguards, with the right privacy, security controls, and so forth. Now, as we're doing that, we've declared that there are a couple of key areas of it. And one of those areas is the large language model. And this is where our uh, work with OpenAI comes in. Here, what we're doing is starting to develop uh, the capability to have the AI and the conversational experiences, the understanding experiences, the OpenAI platform get infused into GenOS. But the fact is that we're also building our own financial large language models, which are very, very key to our strategy. And just leaning into that, how Intuit has developed its product line over time. I mean, how did you go from an accounting software and marketing software platform to where you are today? And can you highlight a couple milestones with some of the technology tools over this time period? Yeah, what a great question, Neeraj. Intuit is a 40-year young company. And I phrase it that way because if you go back to the 1980s, this is a company that was foundationally built on DOS. And thinking back to that time and imagining building a software company at that time, I can only imagine the kind of rigor, the kind of the the kind of issues that they faced in building at that point. From DOS, there was a migration to Windows in the 1990s. And at that point, that was a major transition, a reinvention of the company. So in the 1980s, there was the invention of the company. In the 1990s, a reinvention of the companies to Windows. And we moved to the web. And that was another reinvention of the company in the 2010s to mobile and cloud, and in the 2020s to AI. So this is a company that pretty much every decade since its inception has reinvented itself. And what I'm witnessing now, what we're witnessing now is the reinvention of AI at Intuit to help power prosperity around the world. That mission is a singular mission that has been here for a very long time. But as we think about it and as we implement these generative AI strategies and other AI strategies, we're finding that we're able to serve our customers with great speed and scale. And that's very exciting. I want to say that our AI journey didn't just begin uh, recently. This is an investment that we've make, been making for a very long time. But as we look forward, what I see happening is even more investment in this area and actually the continued transformation of the company. And just based on where we are in the calendar year, tax season is probably a distant memory, but that has recently concluded. Can you dive into how Intuit is specifically leveraging AI in your TurboTax product line, lineup and how the combination is being used uh, with your live tax experts and where that is going? Absolutely. So let me start by saying that our artificial intelligence strategy is something that is pervasive across all of our product lines. And it's also pervasive internally. So we use it for uh, internal purposes as well. And that makes this very uh, exciting and important. And what I'd love to share with you is not only the product experiences, but the platform capability that's based on. But since you're asking specifically 
about how we're using this in tax. The first and most important uh, thing to know is that we're taking the approach to use AI to augment human expertise. So when a person, when a customer is doing their taxes, AI plays a role in helping them do their taxes faster. When they're doing it with the live offering, as you mentioned, that means when they're interacting with our software, but also with a live human expert, the AI is also there helping the customer and also the expert get to the answers as quickly as possible, because that's what drives confidence in the process. That's what really helps people make more money and reduce their workload as they're doing taxes. And so this is a key aspect of the approach that we take to help people really understand where they are in the tax process, what it's going to take to get it done, give them a lot of confidence in that process, and then come to a point where they can include it and declare taxes are done. So as we look at it, there's a core offering that we have of digital expertise, and that digital expertise is a capability that is based completely on artificial intelligence and machine learning, virtual collaboration capabilities that help customers and experts collaborate with each other, and then practice management capabilities, which really helps us add into it automatically understand and identify the right experts to work with customers so that they can get the best tax experience possible. And do you see in the uh, live services that into its offering today, the human component having a long runway, or is that something that will shrink over time? I see that it has long runway. And the reason for that is that our approach has always been to augment human experts and augment human customers with the AI technologies that they need in order to get the job done as quickly and efficiently as possible. And so as these capabilities come online, and they've been online now for a long time, and as we continue to develop them, what we're seeing is that expertise, human expertise, can be used where it is needed the very most, and the other tasks that can be automated quickly or efficiently or provided to a human customer or expert is done as, as quickly as possible. And that helps us actually augment human intelligence. And it also helps us make sure that our experts bring our customers in the best possible way. Yeah. And when we step back and we look at the competitive landscape, uh, you know, specific to accounting software or B2B software and even tax software offerings, it seems more in, uh, increasingly challenging for smaller competitors to scale to the amount of data needed for these AI models. How do you view it? How do you view the competitive landscape going forward? We think it's an increasing moat for your business, but I want to get your perspective. My perspective on competitors is that we know that they're out there. Uh, we know that they're working on different products and technologies, but our focus is singularly on the customer and what we need to do to serve the customer in the very best way. And as we think about that and as we execute with speed and with velocity in that direction, sure, we have data, we have technology, we have this platform capability that I mentioned, but the fact is that Every day, we're thinking about how we can bring all these things together to serve the end customer. And that gives us 
an opportunity to really use the scale and the expertise that we have, the human expertise that we have to actually solve those problems. And with these live offerings, uh, can you speak to any aspect of technology powering these services that is differentiated from the competitors, whether it's an aspect of machine learning or NLP or knowledge engineering? What's your biggest differentiators here? So let me start by saying that there are 730 million AI-driven customer health interactions per year that we're doing, 58 billion machine learning predictions per day, all based off of a, uh, of a data set of about 400,000 customer and financial attributes. So there's a massive amount of data and a massive amount of information and customer contact that we have every year. Now, having said that, the approach that we take is to think about, again, what we need to do to connect the customers with the experts in the best possible way. And that's the first place that AI comes in. So as a person is using our product, we are collecting clickstream data. We're trying to understand the position that they're at in the product line so that when they call into the call center, the expert already is aware of the context of the call, potentially aware of the context of the call. This is the first place that AI comes in. We automatically route the call to the best expert that's available at the time to answer the questions that we anticipate that the person has asked, is going to ask even before they ask it. That's another place that AI comes in. The third place that it comes in is in actually making predictions about where the demand is going to be at what time of day so that we make sure that the right experts are there to answer our customers' questions. That might sound like an easy problem, but the fact is it's very, very difficult because this is really true. We're making half-hour predictions on customer demand a year in advance. Half-hour predictions, that means like from 8 to 8.30 in the morning, we want to know how many people are going to call in one year from today. And those are just a few of the models that we use in order to connect people with experts so that they can get the financial uh, insights that, that they need. Yeah, that's a lot of data to manage and your platform's capability to handle it. Can you identify some of the complexities on the platform itself and where you see some room for advancement by Intuit and how you're differentiated relative to some maybe of the other public data cloud providers that deal with a lot of data and text analysis? We have a beautiful platform. And the reason I, I describe it that way is that it is certainly a technology stack, but every element of the technology stack can be tied to a customer need or a customer benefit. So the technology has several layers to it. I'm going to start at uh, the data layer. So this is where there's tremendous amount of uh, work going on. So one of the key aspects of our data platform is it delivers real-time data at scale where it's needed from the product to our data lake or to another part of the product. If you think about the example I gave you just a moment ago, where I said that a person might be interacting with our software and that information can go to inform which expert is uh, going to be used, uh, is, is going to engage with that customer during a phone call. 
That's a real-time system. Shipping the data from one part of the product to another product part of the product is a real-time capability that we built. And I'm incredibly proud of our team for the work that they've done in this area because we not only solved that problem at scale, but we did it in such a way that it can be done many times at scale across the company. So the platform strategy that we've uh, employed allows us to build once and use many times. So that gives us a tremendous amount of velocity. The second key aspect of our data strategy is to deliver clean data at scale, regardless of whether it's in batch or in real time. That means regardless of whether it's uh, being stored and then used later, that's batch, or real time means that it's in real time being shipped from one place to another. Here, what's amazing is that we're building the capability to have clean data available. So if you listen to any podcast, if you talk to data people, one of the things that they always bring up is that we don't have, they don't have clean data. The fact is that we have clean data at scale and that helps us accelerate. The second aspect of our AI platform is the AI infrastructure itself. So this is where our machine learning platform is employed, our GenOS, the generative AI operating system that you mentioned earlier, and many other AI components are available so that people can develop at scale and so forth. So the stack, it's a software stack, but each element of the stack has a direct customer benefit. Yeah, and you know, describing the data platform and from the context of the developer, that would be interesting to get your perspective on these AI tools. Do you see the number of developers expanding or contracting in time and how that's going to cycle going ahead? I see that the number of uh, developers and the type of work that the developers is going to uh, change. And I really want to focus on the type of work that they do. The fact is that we are seeing already from the large language models that certain types of code can be generated very easily from the IT system or from another system just with a natural language prompt. And so this is very exciting to see that. And what this is going to let our developers do is start to focus not only on code development, but on great design, because great design leads to great code and they're going to be able to focus more and more on that. We spend a lot of time on software design, software architecture. I really view this as giving our teams the ability to spend even more time thinking about how that platform should be created. And then sure, the code development might be augmented, will be augmented with generative AI capabilities, but that conceptualization, what the platform is today and where it should go tomorrow, I think we're going to be focusing there as well. And it's very exciting. I, I, I mentioned earlier that I used to work at NASA, and I can tell you that the kind of work that goes on in real-time systems there or here or at other places is one where spending time on software architecture and design pays off so much for quality, reliability, and also scale in the future. So I'm very excited about that shift that's that's going to be occurring. Interesting to hear, Ashok. And now maybe pivoting a little bit away from technology and just the critical aspect of data for these AI models. Do you see any obstacles or challenges for users as they face and U.S. consumers' uh, regulation and increased data protection on their behalf by the government? We've seen some uh, rules being rolled out 
by different states, California, Virginia, other states. How do you perceive that? Is there going to be any challenges to the amount of data or the breadth of data into your models? I've been in this industry for a very long time, Neeraj, and my opinion on this is that privacy policy and privacy preferences for people, for consumers, for small businesses and others is going to change. And we welcome that change. What people think about how they want to use their data and the approach that they want to take with it is their business. And our job, my job, is to make sure that our data systems can quickly adapt to the changing needs and the changing demands from customers and small businesses and others. It's just the way it is. And in my opinion, it's the way it should be because I'm a consumer also. I would like to have control over my data and how it's used. And I'm sure that other people want that as well. So the approach that we've taken in building our uh, data platforms and AI platforms is to say that we're going with privacy by design. So that means that it's designed into the system, anticipating that, sure, regulation will change, customer preferences will change, and so we'll adapt with it. And that, I've always felt this way that that's the right thing to do. I'm proud to be at a place which fosters this kind of privacy thought and development. And I, I feel that that's really the, the way to do it. So sure, things will change, and sure, we're going to change with it. Oh, that's good to hear. And just your view, given your extensive experience in the industry and around uh, tax-sensitive information, do you see GDPR regulation from the EU migrating to the U.S. or uh, not so much? I think GDPR has already influenced U.S. policy, and I think that it's perhaps going to continue to influence it. We do see that the EU's uh, regulations have an influence not only in the EU, but around the world. And again, I think that it's responsible. It's important for all of us that work in the field of data and artificial intelligence analytics to be aware of these things and to build systems that can accommodate uh, the changes that people want. Because we're here to serve consumers. We're here to serve small businesses. What they need matters to us. Okay. And looking at the small business customers from your technology lens, how has their adoption of technology, SaaS applications evolve pre-pandemic, post-pandemic, and now in front of this AI wave? Yeah. So what we saw pre-pandemic is certainly a tremendous amount of usage from small businesses of all of our software products. And as the pandemic came, we did see that uh, people started to use some of the preferences shifted. The economy changed, as we all know. But in, through all of that, what we saw is that the need for making great financial decisions in times of great uncertainty, as was going on during COVID, mattered the most. And so our focus to make sure that the right tools and technologies are available to developers to so that we can build the right experiences for customers never changed. And I'm very proud about that, very excited by that, because what we know for sure is the future is going to be different than it is today, right? And so having the ability to reinvent ourselves, having the ability to bring the very best tools and technologies, the developers and thereby to our customers and small businesses, I think is the right strategy. 
That's good to hear uh, from your perspective. And now pivoting a little bit to the infrastructure services across Intuit, you know, MailChimp and Credit Karma on the Google Cloud platform, other applications on AWS, just your context on why Intuit has this uh, mixed approach to their cloud infrastructure service and how do you think that uh, plays out going forward and if AI has any impact on this? Our approach is to use best-in-class technologies for to, to serve our developers, uh, to serve our employees so that they can make the very best capabilities for our customers. And so we're operating on AWS, we're operating on the Google Cloud Platform, as you mentioned, and the approach that we're always taking is to use the best-in-class and to ensure that the developers can move with speed because when they move with speed, then we're able to serve our customers in the best possible way. And just on the measurement or how do you make a judgment on the tools that are most efficient for your developer team? The approach that we take um, is very, very uh, metrics-based. So I can tell you that when we're evaluating platforms or within a the cloud offering, which tools, which services to use, whether we should build or buy. It's based on a set of predefined metrics that we actually write down. We're a company that values rigor. And so we write down the hypothesis that we're going to be testing, as well as the data that we're going to be collecting to test the hypothesis to determine whether to use service A or service B. And we conduct experiments to determine whether or not the metrics are leading us to believe that service A is better than B. And based on that, and then also based on conversation, we make a, a decision. I emphasize the conversation because it's important that we have the ability and the opportunity to bring people along in our decision-making process. And so when everyone can read the documentation about what we're trying to test, when everyone can look at the data and understand it themselves and then have a discussion, not only do we tend to, in my opinion, choose the right answer, but it helps everyone move forward and helps people understand why we're making the decisions that we do. And so this discipline translates into speed for our developers, but also clear decision-making. Because when you're operating at scale, what's very important is that when you make a decision, that the decision be known, that it be clear, and that people understand why the decision was made. Not just that a decision was made, but why. And that why comes from really understanding the data. So we're very rigorous about that. Ashok, let's wrap up with a final point for our listeners. Uh, this has been a great conversation. And what would you leave us with? What should we look out for across Intuit's consumer and small business portfolio, whether it's a new set of AI technologies that you're working with or uh, the services or partnerships? What should we look at? You should be uh, looking for and anticipating a revolution from Intuit. This is a time where we're supercharging our applications, our software to serve our customers around the world. We're privileged to serve more than 100 million people around the world. People rely on us to make the very best financial decisions possible. And we're excited about the capabilities that we have and the capabilities we're building to serve them with even greater speed, with even greater scale, so that they can make the very best financial decisions possible for themselves and their families. 
Ashok, we truly enjoyed our conversation today, and we look forward to seeing what new services spring from Intuit's data platform in the future. Thank you for joining us today on Bloomberg's Tech Disruptors. Neeraj, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me.